Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. We're now on part 14 of our Christ-Centered Mentoring Series. And in this, I want to focus on how to find godly mentors in our own lives. And that's something that I've really wrestled through being in ministry, being in leadership. We need those people who can invest truth into our lives. And sometimes that can be difficult to find. So before we dive in, I wanted to remind you a couple of things. We are open for registration for our 2023 Ellerslie Discipleship Programs, and they fill quickly. So we have our five-week program in the summer and the fall, and then a week-long program in the summer. If you are looking for a time to go deeper with Christ and become grounded in truth, this is an amazing way to come away from the distractions of daily life and really have a life-changing experience that can spiritually invigorate you. So go to ellerslie.com to learn more about those programs. Also, registration is open for our 2023 Set Apart Conference, which is at the Ellerslie campus June 16th through 18th, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. Such a powerful weekend for women of every age, and our theme this year is Valiant, Becoming a Woman of Heavenly Strength. If you'd like to join us for that, go to setapartgirl.com or click the link in this podcast description. Right now you can save with early bird pricing for just a few more weeks. Let's dive into finding a godly mentor. When you are the one mentoring and discipling and pouring out for others, it's really important to glean from the wisdom of those who have gone before you and have had that experience of really wrestling through for victory, understanding what it means to stand on truth, to stand against the attacks of the enemy, to guard intimacy with Christ, all of those principles that we so desperately need to hang on to as we mentor and minister to others. And yet as women today, we often struggle to find that spiritual mother of the faith who can invest in our own lives. It can be really hard to know how to find a godly mentor, where to find a godly mentor. Elizabeth Elliot always talked about that verse in so many of her messages, Titus 2, where it says that older women are to teach the younger women and how much she saw a lack of this within the modern church. A lot of it is because we assume that older women means, you know, in your later years. But she talked about how even a teenage girl has influence over younger girls who look up to her or those in their 20s have teenagers who look up to them. There's always a younger woman that we can teach. And it doesn't mean we have to formally teach them. It means we are called to teach by an example, be an example of Christ to the younger women in our lives, whatever season of our life that we may be in. But so many of us have struggled because there is a lack of that vision in the church today. We struggle to find mentors that will point us to Christ. And that's something I've struggled with even growing up in a godly home and being surrounded by Christians that have had a great influence on my life. Through the different seasons of ministry, I found that my need for mentoring began to change and the desire that I had for very specific types of mentoring grew as my ministry grew. And I really desired and craved those who had had experiences similar to what I was going through. And that was hard to find. I think one of the reasons that it's a lack in our culture and and a lack in the church today to really have that vision of teaching younger women is because a lot of times in the church, we allow the self-focused nature of the culture to influence us. Depends on the season of life we're in of what it looks like. But in the teen and young adult years, the culture is constantly telling us to follow our heart and pursue our own dreams. And it's really easy to use those years to just fully be thinking about ourselves and who we're going to marry and how to you know pursue our dreams and go after what we want in life and to forget the fact that there is a calling upon us even in our young years we are called to lead by example 
in the middle years of life, the ages from like 20 to 40 or 50, a lot of times it's all about pursuing our own comforts and materialism and kind of building up our own little kingdom, pursuing a career and advancement in a career or whatever it might be, or just building a comfortable home, forgetting that God has called us to turn outside of ourselves and invest into the lives of others. And that's one of the motivations for even doing this series on Christ-centered mentoring is because so many women in the church have forgotten that this is part of our calling no matter what season we're in. And in the retirement years, the culture tells us that those years are all about you know, getting the rest and the fun and the relaxation that we, quote, deserve after either having a career or serving our families or whatever for so many years. And so really those are faulty notions, but they have crept into the church. And I have had a lot of women tell me that they have really looked for godly mentors or even approached women in the church to ask them to mentor them, and they've been turned down. So maybe this is something that you've struggled with, or maybe you've had mentors in your life, but now that you're in a different kind of ministry, you need something very specific and you're having a hard time finding those who can speak to these unique challenges in your life. If you are looking for a godly mentor, I just want to encourage you with some principles that have helped me through the years in this area of my own life. And one of the most important is to remember and to learn the lesson that Jesus is enough. And I've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but it's important to recognize the body of Christ is such an amazing gift from God. And all throughout scripture, we see commands for the body of Christ, the church, to help their brothers and sisters and to support the weak, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, etc. So the body of Christ has a very key role in building each other up. But it's critical to remember that the body of Christ is not meant to be a replacement for Christ. As the body of Christ, we're meant to be an extension of him, but not a replacement for him. And we need to be careful as those seeking mentors, those seeking people who can speak truth into our life, that we don't begin to look to a human person to meet needs in our life that only Jesus can meet. Until we allow him to be the God of all comfort to us, the strength of our heart, our refuge and our fortress, we're never going to find what we are looking for, even if we're surrounded by the most amazing godly mentors in the world. So if you are frustrated that you haven't found a godly mentor to invest into your life, it may be that God wants to walk you through a season where you remember or maybe learn for the first time that Jesus truly is enough. And in my loneliest times, that has been such a comfort to me. And I've read stories through the years of women or Christians who were in very isolated situations, whether through their calling, whether they were called to a remote part of the world, and they didn't have people around them that could encourage them and support them. Or maybe they were suffering for their faith and they were in a prison cell and totally cut off from the body of Christ. And yet in every single one of those situations, Jesus was enough. And that has encouraged me to remember that he is enough for me, even in my loneliest times, even when I feel like the body of Christ around me isn't necessarily being the support that I crave. So some examples of this, Darlene Dibler, as I've, I've shared her story many times on this podcast, when she was had lost everything and she was dying and, and sentenced to death on death row in a Japanese prison during the Second World War, she said that her cell became her sanctuary. The presence of God was so real and so present with her that Jesus was enough even through those dark, dark days of suffering. Or Mary Slessor, who was called to a very remote part of Africa, and she was cut off from all the other missionaries, all the other churches, and she was just on her own amidst a very dark, superstitious tribe of people. Jesus was enough to give her joy, to give her victory, to give her wisdom and have 
heavenly perspective and even the comfort that she needed when she walked through hard things. Or Corey Ten Boom, when she was in the concentration camp and her sister Betsy, who was her closest friend, passed away in that concentration camp. She found that Jesus was enough. Even though she had tremendous grief, she didn't have a lack of comfort and support because Jesus was there. I want to encourage you to practice making Jesus Christ your first turn, no matter what you're going through or what you're struggling with, and not just immediately assuming that you have to rush out and pour out your heart to a mentor in order to gain perspective. Once we have made him our first turn, once we have poured out our heart to him, once we have gone to him first and allowed him to comfort us at the depths of our soul, allowed him to pour his truth, his light, his joy into us as we pour out our hearts to him, then he may bring bring mentors into our lives, those people in the body of Christ who can enhance or reinforce the truths that he's already working in us. But don't look to a mentor to be a replacement for him, for the God of all comfort. Remember, we can pray for godly mentors, but never forget that Jesus is enough. If you are walking through a time when you don't have a godly mentor, remember that Jesus is enough. Another principle when you're looking for a mentor is to welcome tough love. It's really important to look for people who are not going to just tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And this is a way of taking the principles we've talked about earlier in this series and turning them around to challenge our own soul. Remember that quote from Catherine Booth when she wrote to her struggling daughter, do not give way to lowness while you are young. Rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. That is not a poor you, oh honey, I feel so bad for you message. That's what we tend to want when we are struggling with something, when we are lonely or discouraged. We want to hear someone say, oh, you're going through such a hard time. I feel so bad for you. There's that human pity that we crave. We need to remember that the Bible is filled with commands to be strong in the Lord and to practice spiritual fortitude. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, or be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Ephesians 6, 10, or let us not grow weary in doing good, Galatians 6, 9, or endure hardship as a good soldier for Christ, 2 Timothy 2, 3, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4, 13. And as a reminder, the Proverbs 31 woman's characteristic that highlights most of her life is the word valor, which is a woman of strength. It's the same word used to describe David when he conquered Goliath. And strength and valor and fortitude is a huge part of our calling as women. We are called to build each other up in God's strength and not offer the kind of human sympathy that weakens a soul and promotes self-pity. So when you are looking for a mentor, don't just go after those people who are just going to allow or promote self-pity in your life. And Corrie Ten Boom talks a lot about self-pity in her book, Tramp for the Lord. She said, self-pity is a nasty sin and the devil uses it and always starts his talks with poor Corey. If you have someone in your life who starts their talks with, oh, poor you, poor so-and-so, I feel bad for you. That's a red flag because as much as we are to show concern and empathy for others, we are not to promote a woe is me self-pity message in other people's lives. So as Amy Carmichael said, and I've shared this quote before on this podcast, but it's such an important reminder for the kind of comfort that is truly biblical versus human. She said, many think of comfort as if it were a gentle kind of soothing and nothing else. But the Oxford Dictionary gives the original meaning as to strengthen. I have heard one who was, as she thought, comforting another say how hard it is for you, but that sort of talk does not raise up, it pushes down. It is weakening, not strengthening. God's comfort is never weakening. He leaves the soul he comforts stronger to fight, 
braver to suffer, grateful, not sorry for itself, keen to go on, not to yield. God make us all comforters in that strong sense of the word, his fellow comforters. Again, don't look for a mentor to promote self-pity in your life. Welcome someone who will actually show that tough love to call you out on selfish or lazy attitudes, to encourage you to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. A lot of the church today thinks that women cannot handle those tough love messages. And I've been invited to speak at different conferences for women where they caution me against giving any kind of a poignant challenge because it's like, well, these women have such hard lives and they're already feeling so condemned by the enemy and they're insecure. The last thing we want to do is put a high standard in front of them. But the reality is that when we rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer, when we understand the grace that is available to us to walk in victory and to push the enemy back and to say no to self-pity, that is when we truly live out the calling that we have on our lives. And that's available to each one of us. So we need to not shy away from that tough love as long as that tough love is pointing us back to the truth of Jesus Christ. Look for a mentor who is going to strengthen you spiritually and not weaken you. Another key principle that has been invaluable for me is to discover great women of the faith. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I'm constantly quoting women who are no longer alive. When I was walking through those early days of ministry, and even now, when I'm walking through things that have to do with a position of ministry that a lot of other people cannot relate to... I tend to want to look towards women who have gone before me, who have walked through similar things. And I find those in the lives of great women of the faith. There was a book by Edith Dean, I think it might be out of print now, but it's called Great Women of the Christian Faith. And it so encouraged me and blessed me in a season of my life where I desperately needed women from the body of Christ to speak truth into my life. And I really didn't have a lot of women around me who could do that, who could even relate to what I was going through. When I picked up that book, Great Women of the Christian Faith, I recognized, wow, there are such great truths and principles exemplified in the lives of these women as they walked closely with Christ through their different difficulties and struggles that I can glean from. Even if I can't sit across the table from them, they can still have an influence on my life. I want to share with you some of my personal mentors and why they specifically have impacted my life. Now, I've gone through these women in more detail on other episodes, but just to highlight them for you, in case you are wondering where to start, I would highly suggest any of these women as a starting point to glean wisdom from their lives. And one of the reasons I love Heroes of the Faith is because we know the end of their story. There are a lot of women influencers out there who have their kind of moment where they seem to be speaking a lot of profound things things, but a lot of times the enemy gets them off course and we don't always know how that story is going to end. I've talked to a lot of women who have been influenced by a Christian and then become very disillusioned because that Christian fell away from their faith or allowed the enemy to get in there and erode their message. I love the fact that Heroes of the Faith, we have that document of how they walked victoriously with Christ to the end of their lives. And Amy Carmichael is at the top of my list. If you haven't studied her life or read her books, I would highly encourage you to do that. She clung to Jesus Christ. She took risks for him. She was willing to be the brunt of false accusation and misunderstanding in order to pour out her life for the glory of God. And her life was marked by a constant surrender to him and a constant dependence upon him. I love the fact that she wrote so many books because it helps give me spiritual insight to what she was going through behind the scenes 
anytime she struggled with anything, her go-to was the word of God. She was in a place where the only support that she had around her for a good number of years was in India, and it was the women that she had won to Christ and were now serving alongside her in ministry. So she didn't have older godly women around her that could invest truth into her life, but she knew she could always find an answer in the word of God. And the truths that she learned through every struggle, she then captured into books and have passed down from generation to generation. And I've been so blessed so many times when I just needed that word of encouragement and I opened one of her books and it's right there. Elizabeth Elliot is another one. And she was highly influenced by Amy Carmichael. In fact, she wrote a biography about Amy Carmichael's life that I read when I was a teenager that really had an impact on me. I love how Elizabeth Elliot never put frills around the truth. She spoke it plainly and straightforwardly. She was one who showed tough love through every one of her books, every one of her messages. You'd never hear a poor you, oh honey, I feel so bad for you message through Elizabeth Elliot. You're always challenged and you're always pointed to deeper truth, to a greater commitment to Jesus. Jesus Christ. And there are times when I just need that swift reminder, that swift kick to say, hey, don't give into this. Go after truth right now. And her messages always do that for me. Corey Ten Boom, I love her story. I love her books and her messages in her life. She was so childlike and so humble and so real, but she was real in a very biblical way. We have this raw, real thing that's very popular in the church today, but it basically just highlights and celebrates human weakness. Corey Ten Boom was real in the sense that she was very transparent with her struggles, but she also was very transparent about the victory and the truth of God to bring her to a place of triumph and victory through every single struggle. She never just wallowed in her weakness. She always knew that God had something better for her and she went after it. She was a very simple woman who never really thought she would do anything big with her life, and yet God made her into one of the most known and most influential evangelist in the world as she yielded her life to him. Darlene Dibler goes without saying that her entire story through World War II as a missionary and then how she lived the rest of her life as a missionary, even after all the suffering that she faced in World War II, has so tremendously inspired me. And her book is called Evidence Not Seen. Anytime I'm walking through something that feels very dark and very difficult to walk through, I go back to her story because if she's able to walk through the suffering she went through with the grace of God, with the comfort and the presence of God, I know that same grace is available to me. And then Gladys Aylward, what an incredible example of not putting down tent stakes, not pitching her tent, but always saying, Lord, I'm available to you. I make myself available, whatever that looks like. And she lived a great adventure of a poured out life, very dependent on God. Those are the women that I've studied over and over again. And those are probably at the top of my list of women who have personally impacted and mentored me. A few more that I could mention, Esther on Kim, Mary Slessor, Biddy Chambers, Catherine Booth, and there are quite a few more as well. Those are just some starting ideas of women that you can study, whether you pick up one of their books, some of them have audio messages, and just glean those amazing truths and spiritual riches that they have exemplified through their lives. And you might be surprised, even though they lived in a different era, how much of what they're walking through relates to some of your current immediate struggles. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you about seeking a godly mentor. Whether you're being mentored and influenced by someone who is alive and well and walking with God today, 
or someone who is no longer here and has gone before us, someone from history, it's so important that we never compromise on truth. Unless that mentor's foundation is in the word of God, unless their focus is completely on Jesus Christ, we're only going to receive human wisdom, which may sound good at first, but it will never stand the test of eternity. So just because someone has a new and exciting and profound idea, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, throw it out and go after those who are rock solid in the word of God. They never compromise on truth and they always point you back to Jesus Christ. You can't go wrong when you are seeking after people who are captivated by Jesus Christ and fully available to him and have a very high regard for the truth of his word. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about finding a godly mentor or what it means to really build a Christ-centered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.